Coming up on this week's show, Serena Bowen talks about cults and psycho exes as we discuss both Goodbye Paradise and Good Boy. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 80 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillCanals.com. This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support the show in just a few moments. Cool. Hi. Hello to you, sir. Can you believe we've done 80? It's just, it's unfathomable to me a little bit. No words really to express <laughs> that it's been I, 80 episodes. I feel like I'm 80, but no, not 80 episodes. It's kind of crazy. It is. That's 80 weeks that we've been here on most Sundays doing this. It's kind of cool. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Indeed. How are you today? Pooped. Tired. He planted yesterday. Feeling, feeling, uh... 80? Feeling my age. <laughs> Um, we had a brief interval of spring-like weather, so I got outside and planted. Now, keep in mind, this isn't, you know, extensive yard work or anything like that. I essentially repotted some plants, and today I feel like I've been hit by a truck. <laughs> it's pretty pathetic. Um, how about you, sir? How are you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm not, I'm not in the achy category like you are. I so. know. I know. But I'm sorry that you are. We'll have pretty flowers soon, though. Soon? Soon enough. We've yes. got lots of rain, and they'll be... Uh, Blooming. So, I was trying to think... No. No. Yeah? No, I can't. No. Okay. There was like a, some spring song, something... Uh, have come up sunshine... I don't know. <laughs> My brain isn't working today, either. <laughs> Let's move on. It's one of those shows. I think it might be. But uh, overall, it was a much better week, I think, for both of us. Oh, yes, as compared to our our wonky week. Thank you to everyone who showed concern (laughs) and (laughs) and expressed their... uh, uh, What's another word for concern? Um, Um, My my internal... Expressed their interest in our emotional well-being. You're very, very kind. Uh, We're fine. We're keeping it together. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a much better week. Yeah, that it was. So, in terms of the writing this week, I made the choice, as, as you heard last week, that I was having time management issues. Uh, I actually shelved my uh, hockey player does Dancing with the Stars type show uh, story for at least a while. Uh, there are other things that need to be worked on, things that have more upfront uh, strict deadlines and I will get that written eventually because I am interested in it and I've done about 12,000 words on it. So there's something there and it will come out eventually. Uh, Somewhere on Mackinac continues on pre-order. So if you want to grab that at uh, Dreams Better Press, you can do that. Uh, You can still get it on my mailing list giveaway too because there'll be at least one more reminder email that goes out towards the end of the month, so if you want to pre-order and then perhaps take advantage of some spiffy Mackinac Island gifts, uh, hop on my mailing list, which you can do at jeffadamswrites.com, right there on the homepage. So what I did work on this week, when I shelved my my hockey dancer show story, uh, is I was working on uh, both Winger 1 and Winger 2, 
which was a little little bit of a mind game occasionally because I'd be reading one thing and I'm like, wait, does this other thing happen in this book or that book? <laughs> so that was a little weird, but I got the last of the proofing edits done for Winger 1 as of yesterday, which was exciting. It is such a bonus to do the final proof to make the computer read the book to you and find a whole bunch of little ticky edits and proofing mistakes that I don't think just reading it I would really find otherwise. Mm-hmm. So having the having that technology available is really awesome. And then with Winger 2, it's basically just doing revisions and getting it spiffed up so I can get it out to some beta readers in the near future. Cool. So... As part of what came into our inbox last week, uh, after we released the bonus episode to our patrons on uh, Tuesday, one of the things we talked about there was a little bit of a continued discussion on Into the Woods and how the Fiasco group had managed to take a story that we all knew really well and then tell it in a different way because of their different stagings and stuff. And this prompted a question from Ellen that I decided to bring into the main show. Ellen says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you decide on the best way to approach a particular scene to get the most emotional oomph from it. For example, uh, when you're talking about your writing, rather, well, sorry, this is because I didn't edit what I'm trying to write to say on the show. Um, Is my writing, instead of tinkering with scenes and retrying things from a different point of view, humorous versus somber, at what point kind of in my process do I make the choices on how to approach a scene? And it's it's kind of two-pronged for me. I, when I go into writing a scene, I kind of know what I want to have happen in it and who the characters are and what they're supposed to be doing. And I do what's typically called the, the rapid draft method, where I just do these 20-minute sprints and spill everything out on the page and then fix it. So I have this general idea because of my plot outline, what needs to happen in each scene and what's going to go on. And then when I go back and revise, I punch things up, change things around, sometimes shuffle chapters. And then, of course, my beta readers help as well. And then even when it gets to editorial with the publisher, and and Winger One's a good example of this because one of the editors I had on that book had some really good insight because she had totally fresh eyes on it on some places that I might should put some more punch in or move things around a little bit to make things either clearer or punchier. So I don't know if that answered your question because really it kind of plays in across the whole process from my first inclination on what to do with it to the editing and then even into once it's left my hands and is, is in somebody else's court to edit. So that's kind of how it works for me. Do you have anything you want to throw into that at all? He has nothing. He's just shaking his head, which is fine. I don't have anything there. That's fine. <laughs> I just, so, Alan, thanks for the question. Hope that kind of answered it for you, at least a little bit for how I work. I think all authors work with that a little differently, too, mm-hmm. on how, how set they are in the first draft versus how things evolve uh, after that. So, Cool. All right. Just a quick reminder, everyone, we will be at RT... On May 1st through the 6th, uh, Jeff will be at the Dream Spinner Apples to Apples event Thursday at 11.15 alongside many other DSP authors for an hour of games and prizes. It'll be fun times for everybody. Uh, we will both be talking about podcasting at the Social Media Fair on Thursday from 4 to 5. And then on Friday at 11.15, we'll, pre- uh, we'll present our little uh, talk, Podcasting 101. Yeah. Uh, so if you are in the vicinity, 
<laughs> uh, track us down and please say hello. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Um, come say hi to us. We'll be as as social as we can be. I think this is going to be an overwhelming event. <laughs> overwhelming and fun at the same time. Indeed. We'll be conserving our social energy at times. Uh, to remind folks, it is still April, which means Tammy Middleton's Autism Awareness Month auction is still happening. You can get information on the auction at ttcbooksandmore.com. Or check the links in the show notes, or we'll actually link to the exact blog post where everything is laid out on what the items up for bid are and how to bid. Or we can link you directly to the Facebook album where you can browse all the awesome goodies and enter your bids there. It will run in until through. How am I, until through. That's kind of a redundancy, sure. isn't it? It'll run until Sunday, April 30th, uh, when all the bids will have to be in. It's still going really well. It's really nice to see how, how active the auction is this year. And just a reminder, if if you want to pick up uh, copies of the three hat trick paperbacks, they are up for bid, and I will happily sign them over to whoever wins the bid for that. Awesome. Yeah. And a quick announcement. The winner of the Hot Jocks paperback giveaway was Jess. Yay, Jess! Congratulations to Jess. Your package of books is on the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a really great giveaway. Uh, thank you to everyone who expressed interest and entered. Um, we will be rethinking our giveaway strategies in the future. Um, Jeff took the... Uh, relatively small package uh, to the mail yesterday, and to mail it across the ocean is an ungodly sum. That's true. Um, so <laughs> we will be uh, rethinking giveaways for the future. We still have a, a, a handful of paperback giveaways coming up, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was a little, <laughs> I was a little shocked. Flabbergasted is the better word. <laughs> if we shipped gold bullion across the ocean, it would probably have been cheaper. Anyway, okay. Um, uh, first, oh, next. Next, we want to thank our newest patrons, Crag Thang and Baron. Thank you both very much for joining us on this wild and crazy podcasting ride. Uh, thank you to everyone who has uh, signed up on Patreon. Um, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. And for less than the price of a coffee a month, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing the podcast. Not shipping books. That was all us. <laughs> yes, that's very true. That was all us. <laughs> for a fancy pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. Now, you can get details on becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash podcast. Cast. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Now, I've personally been in a teeny bit of a reading slump. Uh-oh. <laughs> Nothing to be concerned about. It happens. It does. Uh, you know how, I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes, you know, you pick up a book and you're like, you know, eh, it just doesn't, you know, grab you or it's not what you're really looking for at that particular moment. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sort of just going through that right now. So It happens. Uh, so I haven't been reading a whole bunch, but I did want to talk about a documentary I just saw a couple of days ago. It was called, I Always Said Yes, The Many Lives of Wakefield Pool, and that came out in 2013. Okay. Uh, it was loosely based on the memoir Dirty Pool by Wakefield Poole himself. Now, for those of you who do not know, Wakefield Poole is a well-known director. Uh, he directed the now classic porno film, The Boys in the Sand. And the documentary really follows Poole, which is his uh, real name, by the way, um, from his childhood uh, into his career in showbiz, to his foray into pornography, uh, and then uh, traveling back and forth between coasts and everything. It starts out, uh, he grew up in Florida, and he became a successful child singer. He kind of did the uh, talent, uh, what's what's the word, the talent contest circuit locally in Florida, Hmm. and he became rather well known as a child singer. Uh, When his voice changed, uh, a local dance and acting teacher uh, gave him a scholarship to a local school, and he really took to dance. Uh, So he danced for several years and became uh, a prominent member of a a local Florida Florida ballet company. Uh, Eventually, he took his dance career to New York, and he ended up on Broadway. Um, he was a successful dancer, a choreographer as well, working for a lot of well-known people during that uh, sort of golden age of Broadway in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, um, the dance opportunities kind of petered out, and he uh, had friends and connections in the art world. Uh, and he helped some friends with gallery showings, and he had an interest in photography. And what he, one of the things he would do, uh, is he would sort of create these multimedia uh, experiences for the gallery openings. So he'd use, you know, slide projectors and and film projectors, and create these sort of shows that highlighted the art. And they became uh, incredibly successful. Uh, And he became relatively well known in that small sort of contemporary art niche in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, While he was experimenting with uh, filmmaking. Uh, Eventually that led him to Fire Island. And he uh, was experimenting with film. And he shot the... Uh, what would essentially become the opening sequence to the film The Boys in the Sand. Sorry, Boys in the Sand. Um, He had a business partner who saw this, like, short film, and he thought it was really, really something, and he thought he could expand it and make it into a full-fledged film. So that's essentially what Wakefield did. Uh, He wanted to use his artistic eye to make a beautiful-looking piece of erotic film up until that point porno was essentially uh loops 
which was basically just short scenes and they showed them in you know you know skeezy theaters and uh adult bookstores and that kind of thing uh so wakefield was really trying to uh elevate it mm, essentially mm-hmm. um uh he finished the boys in the sand uh, and they rented a theater, and it became an instant smash hit. Um, this was also the time, 1971, uh, the whole porno chic thing was happening. Uh, Deep Throat had happened, and you know mainstream audiences were going to theaters to watch porn. Uh, and The Boys in the Sand was uh, the big gay sort of breakout smash hit, and they made a whole bunch of money, and that sort of... Uh, began his career in uh, artistic pornography, and that's that's what he did. Uh, eventually, he moved to San Francisco, uh, and that was around the time uh, a lot of social and political upheaval uh, happening right there in the Castro. He was uh, a large part of sort of the revolution that was going on immediately after Harvey Milk's assassination. Uh, so he was involved in that. Uh, he, he had quite a life. He is a really remarkable guy, <laughs> which is why he deserves this documentary. Um, and eventually, uh, the film wraps up with them trying to get a, sort of an anniversary showing of the boys in the sand at the Fire Island Film Festival and the sort of mini controversy that causes. Um, Wakefield was a remarkable guy. Uh, a great majority of the film is uh, told through interview footage with him personally. He's still with us. Uh, super smart, super charming, articulate guy. I really think um, uh, you should check this out. Uh, I think it's an important part of gay history. Uh, and he is uh, certainly an interesting remarkable individual so i highly recommend i always said yes the many lives of wakefield pool we will link up to that in the show notes where you can find it um have you seen boys in the sand ever actually we are going to be renting it well okay then (laughs) (laughs) i have not i have not seen it yet we'll be reviewing that later i guess (laughs) so something that came back this week that we just kind of found out about on a whim on friday night was mystery science theater is back with original episodes on Netflix. That was super exciting. That was like, woohoo, look at that. Mm-hmm. Let's go watch this right now. Uh, we both watched a lot of MST3K uh, back. Back I, in the day. Back, I guess, in the early 2000s when it was on Sci-Fi in its original Sci-Fi run. Used to be the Saturday morning thing to do. Have a little errand time and then try to get home in time for, this, for, the, for the MST3K movie. That was showing. Uh, I loved this show always, and we've now watched. You've watched two now. We watched the 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 movie Avalanche, which was it's so bad. I've seen it for real once because you made me watch it. It's Rock Hudson, <laughs> Mia Farrow from nineteen seventy something, and it's exactly what you think it is. There's an avalanche that happens at this ski resort that that Rock Hudson has put up, and all kinds of people get smashed by snow. Uh, I love the MST3K take on it. It was great to see everybody back. Um, there's a new, I guess, what what would you call Jonah and what and and the thing that Mike and Joel were before? They're stuck in the satellite of love watching these movies. 
Um, so Mike and Joel aren't there in that capacity, but there's somebody else too. But all the bots are there. And it's a slightly, I guess, more stars wanted to be on it this time because you've got Felicia Day in the role of the person who's keeping them captive. And even Neil Patrick Harris showed up and sang to her out of the blue during one of the breaks in the movie. <laughs> Uh, so I really enjoyed it. I'm glad it's back. And there's several more movies that they uh, take on, especially Star Crash. I want to see mm-hmm. that version. What did you watch yesterday? I watched The Time Travelers. And your thoughts on that? Uh, that is a weird-ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely deserved the MST uh, treatment. So, yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, we highly recommend you check it out. It is currently streaming on Netflix. Yep. I believe it's 14 new episodes. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So unlike me, you have been reading. I have read. <laughs> yes, I have read. I finished this week uh, Honestly Ben by Bill Konigsberg. I spoke a few episodes back about the bridge novel, well, the bridge short story that he had done uh, called Openly Honestly, which ties together Openly Straight from a few years ago and then was the on-ramp into Honestly Ben. Um I've been a fan of Bill since his debut novel of uh, Out of Out of the Pocket from, I believe it was 2009 or 2010, I think. Um, he just keeps growing as an author with each book. Uh, this one, I thought, tackled so many things uh, really deftly all in one package. Uh, as we come back into this book, it is the... They're, everybody's back to school after Christmas break. Uh, Rafe and Ben broke up before Christmas break. We've come back now, and they don't know how to be around each other all that well. They kind of want to be friends, but they kind of don't know how to be. Uh, ben has found out that he's up for this prestigious award at the school. Uh, he's also dealing with his parents, who continue to put pressure on him to excel in school. So his his low calculus grade from the previous semester wasn't tolerated all that well at home. Um, and Ben is still dealing with his lingering questions over his sexuality after uh, hooking up with Rafe in the first book. Um, as this book opens up, he's actually now uh, falling for a girl, but he is pulled back to Ben to the point where he leaves the girl at a dance to go comfort Ben, who's sorry, to comfort Rafe, who's broken up with his new boyfriend. Which doesn't sit well with the girl, of course, even though she knows about their past. Uh, So besides them deciding if they're going to get back together, uh, the scholarship award leads uh, Ben to have to explore himself a little bit more. He kind of goes in depth on on the school's alumni figure who the award is named after and discover that the award itself doesn't really reflect this former student's actual life who died in World War no, sorry, died in Vietnam, the Vietnam, the Vietnam War. And so he's he's torn between telling an actual story there and telling the story that will make sure he still gets the scholarship. What this all boils down to is that Bill has, has built this book around the idea of either being true to yourself or being true to the expectations of what everyone else has of you. And he's pulled three or four stories together in Ben to just really make this come to life as an issue. And in terms of the sexuality, I think there's the potential here for a lot of people to be a little upset about this book. And Bill's actually done a blog post about this shortly after the book came out because where Ben is, he can't see himself as either being gay or bi. He's something, 
he knows, but he won't identify himself because right now he sees himself attracted to girls in general, but at this moment he loves Rafe. And so there's all the questions about by erasure that have come up to Bill, and he's addressed that in this blog post. And it's addressed pretty well in the book, too, because it's a known fact that Ben's uncle was bi. And so it's not like Ben's trying to ignore that completely. He just doesn't know what he is in this moment when he's just a 17-year-old kid. It's a complex book. It's a great book. I wish it went on about 500 pages longer because I would have loved to have seen more of Ben working out his problems. Um, so I highly recommend Honestly Ben. Um, and if you haven't read Openly Straight, pick that one up too and read the whole arc from the start of Rafe and Ben's relationship on through to where it wraps up uh, in Honestly Ben because it's really good. And I think for teens today who look at Am I bi? Am I gay? Am I straight? Am I this? Am I that? What is my identity um, in all aspects of their life? I think this book can be a really good, insightful read for them, too. Cool. I hope that made sense. Did that make sense? Kind of. Okay, because you kept making faces. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote yeah. the, wrote about it, too, over at jeffandwill.com. Yes. So you could read that, too, and see if everything pieced together makes sense. At the end of the day, it's a five-star book. Bill is an awesome author. Big inspiration to me. Pick up his books. Cool. Is there any word on when the next in the series is coming out? I, From what I've seen so far from him, I don't think he intends another sequel. That said, he didn't really intend this sequel either, but Ben kept asking in his brain for it. So okay. We'll see if a few years from now, if something else trickles out in this, in this uh, series. Okay. Cool. Um, I just learned this past week of, uh, of, well, how do I, well, I'm just going to say this. There's a German publisher, Bruno Gemunder, who, uh, is, is, is specializes, that's the word I was looking for, specializes in, uh, gay art books. Now, uh, almost all of the gay photography or art books, coffee table books we've talked about on the podcast, nearly all of them have been published by Bruno Gemunder. Uh, they, uh, I believe they just went bankrupt in March. Uh, so no more art books coming from them, which is very, very sad. Yes, it is. Um, the books are always gorgeous. All, all of the artists and photographers we love, they, you know, at least published one book mm -hmm. through this particular publisher. So I was very, very sad to hear of their demise. Uh, and that prompted me to get a book that I uh, had not known about earlier. Uh, one of our favorite artists, Joe Phillips, had a book come out in 2015 called Joe Boys. Uh, we have several books and calendars mm -hmm. from joe phillips uh we love and adore them i think this is uh his best book yet uh, by far um it's pretty amazing it's it's <laughs> remarkable it's got some of the work that has been featured in calendars of years past it's also got over i believe the book says it's got over 50 original pieces that have never appeared anywhere else um, what's really wonderful about this book is its size. It's a really huge coffee table size. Um, and also it uh, features little little interviews, tiny essays by Joe himself talking about what uh, inspired him uh, to do certain pieces of art. It also features uh, correspondence from fans of Joe talking about why 
they love the themes and art uh, that Joe portrays. Uh, so it's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. Um, if you have your eye on any um, photography books or art books from Bruno Gamunder, I probably should get them sooner rather than later before stores uh, run out of stock. Anyway, I'll, one of the uh, <laughs> pieces, uh, which is actually kind of amusing, one of the pieces featured in the Joe Boy book uh, is author Brandon Witt. Yay, Brandon. Um, there's a piece of art depicting Brandon at a book signing. That's super duper adorable. Um, so, yeah, uh, we love Joe Phillips, and I'm really glad that we finally uh, snagged this book. It's really amazing. Yeah, it's very cool. I had no idea that Brandon had been a Joe Phillips... Uh... He's a Joe boy! He's a Joe boy. I didn't, know Brandon, I didn't know Brandon was a Joe boy ever in his career. Um mm. We should take that and get him to sign that particular page of the book. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> we should totally do we'll that. We'll just haul that to GRL with us mm -hmm. and, uh, and pull that out. Uh, so, uh, interview time. Interview time. You talk to someone. I think we've been plugging this interview for like weeks and weeks because it's a really big deal for you. <laughs> well, and it, it, it got stretched out too because I reviewed the book. I reviewed Goodbye Paradise a few episodes yeah, back. Yeah, And we've been just having this interview in the can and and this was kind of like the, the best slot to run it in uh so serena bowen's back yes i'm gaga over serena bowen because <laughs> she's awesome uh we talk about a couple books in this particular interview she re-released recently a novel called goodbye paradise which she had previously released under another pen name uh when she at the time was thinking about keeping her mm book separate from her uh MF books. She talks a little bit about that in this interview and why she chose to pull them back and put them out under her, under the Serena Bowen name. And we also talk a little bit about her, her him and us spinoff called Good Boy and all the other stuff that she's kind of got going on right now because she's got a big production schedule this year. So let's get to that interview. So I'm super excited to welcome Serena Bowen back to the podcast. As uh, podcast listeners know, I'm a huge fan of Understatement of the Year plus the Him and Us series. And in Happy to have her back to talk about a couple of re-releases coming out. Yeah, Welcome happy back. to be here. Thank you. So you've got two re-releases coming out with Goodbye Paradise and Hello Forever. And these were written in 2014 after the understatement of the year had come out. Right. And were, your f and were actually written under another name. Uh, please tell us about these books and kind of what the journey is to now having them under your name. Well, after Understatement of the Year, a book I love, and I put it in the middle of a series that um, had mostly male-female romances, I listened to people who told me, oh, well, you should just separate those names and make it easier for readerships to find you, and it, that it's just so sensible to do that. And I tried it. I had these two new books, and I just put them up under a different name. But I didn't want to be two different people, mm -hmm. and so I didn't do social media at all. Like, there was no account under that name. You would never find that author name on Twitter or anywhere. And it was just complicated, and my readership didn't find the books, and I felt weird about having this other name out there, so I pulled the books down. And um, then him did really well. <laughs> 
And and that was great and so much fun. And I just tucked these books away to deal with later because I've been really busy, you know, doing other things. And then I took them back out again and I loved them so much that I thought, you know what, this was just, you know, I got I got started the wrong way. These books are great and I'm proud of them and there's no reason republished and so i'm finally getting around to that now which is awesome i I can't wait to read them uh we should tell people they're called goodbye paradise and the other is hello forever uh goodbye paradise comes out in march uh Mm -hmm. tell us about the plots of these books because they seem very different than the other serena bowen titles that are out in the market well yes and no um there's no hockey in these books so not a hockey stick in sight but um, but I have this other series called True North, which is a Vermonty, you know, farmers kind of series. So they they fit a little better with with those titles. In fact, and this is where it got sort of odd because um, there, I have a book called Keepsake, where the young hero is has grown up in a cult and left, and so a lot of his conflict comes from having to find himself, you know, in a new world um, and find his own worth because he was kicked out. And that's actually the same origin of the young men in Goodbye Paradise who are also leaving the same religious cult. So when I published Keepsake, I really expected somebody to come along and say, you know what? This sounds so familiar. I read this book and I can't find it. It seems to be gone, but you know, and nobody said that. And I was sort of astonished. I thought someone would accuse me of copying me, um, which is complicated, but you know, and then I would have said, well, actually (laughs) there's a reason that you sense that similarity. So in this book, it starts in the same place. Those, these young men, they, no, actually knew that other young man, but he left first. And um, they have a completely different experience leaving and a completely different experience landing. And the storylines are quite different, but even if the origin is the same. Mm-hmm. So obviously in this plot, as in understatement of the year, my, um, my prejudice against religious bigotry is showing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of pops out in a lot of books, actually. Um, so much so that I had to really stop and think about it, you know, like, is that really how I feel that, you know, organized religion is this terrible thing? So I, in, in a book I have called Steadfast, um, there's a lovely Catholic priest, <laughs> and he is a super character, and I did that, you know, as a conversation with myself about, you know, there's such a good thing as positive role models in the clergy. And, you know, let's, let's look at all the facets of this thing. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Cause I, hearing you talk about it now, obvi- the connection's so obvious and just reading the blurb, it wasn't, uh, I, I didn't connect it to the rest of your work as well. Uh, where does hello forever fall into the, into the, into the mix of stories? It's the same where these young men land eventually in Massachusetts. They start a new life in Massachusetts. And they meet um, um, Hello Forever, um, end up renting from the, the two guys in Goodbye Paradise. So there's a bit of a connection, but it's a fairly separate story. 
and it takes place in a more modern world, um, you know, without the religious overtones. Okay. Do you have a release date on that one yet? I didn't see one out there. I haven't picked a date yet. I just have to see how things shape up. I have so many projects coming out this year. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Understandable. Uh, having having seen what you've put out there already in terms of your schedule, it looks like it's going to be a very busy year. Mm-hmm. Looking back, do you wish you'd put these out as Serena Bowen, um, since understatement seemed to hit so well? Sure. I mean, it was obvious that that, that would have been the right choice. But again... You know, I can get it right now. It's okay. (laughs) Exactly. That's the beauty of with the self-publishing. You can always pull it down, redo it, put it back. Yep. And and I will say, if anyone who read the book as in front of God and everyone, original title of Goodbye Paradise, if anyone read that book under that title, they should not repurchase this one because it is the same. I don't want anyone to be disappointed. It's not revised in any substantial way. Um, and it, there is a line uh, there will be on the vendor page. It will say previously published as in front of God and everyone, because I don't want people to be confused, but I did have to change the title because um, I love that other title, but people thought that the book itself was going to be religious mm. and it's not. And that was in the Amazon on reviews actually like I'm so glad I picked this up because I almost didn't because of that title and so I had to give it a new title there was really no other way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. makes sense anything else yeah, looking up there for a for a possible future re-release no <laughs> sorry <laughs> I wish right <laughs> but no <laughs> that's all <laughs> now of course since I love him and us so much. We have to talk a little bit about Good Boy that came out okay. earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, because we, we have reviewed Good Boy on the show previously, uh, this is kind of a sequel to Him and Us, uh, but also begins a new series for you. And in this book, we not only get Jamie and Wes's wedding, which was a complete delight, uh, but Blake and Jess get to come to the forefront of this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the book read like it had to be a lot of fun to write. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> Blake was so over the top in, in Us anyway. Uh, did you and L and L Kennedy, your co-writer on these, did you crack each other up a lot writing these oh, yes. books? <laughs> in fact, there's a, um, a margin note from our editor that I copied and saved because it, it, she, about a third of the way through, just wrote this random note off in the margin that says, did you just giggle all the way through writing this book? Because I am. <laughs> It's funny. He's funny. And we, again, have that problem where there's a couple, there's one line that she and I agree to be the funniest line in the book. And (laughs) maybe I hope that after people read this chapter, they'll never think of docking stations the same way again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally get that. (laughs) but, But I think that she wrote that line and she thinks I wrote it. Oh, wow. So you don't actually know who wrote that line. We don't. We don't. Well, I, I'm i pretty sure she wrote it, but she's pretty sure um, that she didn't. So Interesting. Interesting. Because that goes back yeah. to, in, in, in our first interview, we talked about the writing process you two have, where essentially you just, you write till you're done for the day, and then she picks up and continues. 
Did that did that method follow through for Good Boy? Pretty much, except there were some points where we'll say, I don't want that scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And actually in the work in the book we're doing now, it which is the sequel to Good Boy and we're just editing it, it's pretty much done. Um, there was the the heroine owns a business and um Elle didn't want to write the the businessy scenes. <laughs> That's She's fair. like, you, you write those. I hate business. <laughs> now, Blake's backstory, that turned out, that was so unexpected. I didn't, I didn't see any of that coming for what kind of made him the all-around, you know, good guy that he's become. Um, how did you decide to go down that particular path? And, of course, we don't want to spoil this for people, so feel free to talk in kind of <laughs> nebulous fashion for this. Well, I will tell you that it's a goal of mine never to have too many psycho exes in stories <laughs> because it can kind of be a cop out, right? Like the psycho ex made me this way, but boy, did we have some fun with that psycho ex. Yes, you did. <laughs> and, and if you think about it though, the reason we went there with this story is um, both Blake and Jess coming into that book have great families, mm -hmm. like wonderful families. So whatever, you know, terrible things they might carry with them could not come from the family when in most of us, let's face it, it does, <laughs> you know. And we'd already proven the cannings to be perfection. And also Blake has a great family in, mm -hmm. in the previous book. He has that mother that's just hilarious. <laughs> So, you know, we had to, um, his psycho had to come from some other corner. <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was quite the corner too. I, I, I <laughs> can't tell people enough how much they should just pick this up, especially if they were into him and us. Uh, cause it's, it's a, it's a very fun, uh, sequel. I like the rom-com, uh, aspect of it. Thank you. You know, the next one, Stay, is also definitely a rom-com and, uh, we have one scene that we were so amused to write that it's the only scene in any of the books where we actually both went into the document and took turns writing one line and then another line. And then it was like, okay, tag. All right, your turn. Because um, uh, they're at an opera and something funny happens at the opera and we knew it was going to be a fun moment. So we wrote it together line by line. Are we talking like sentence by sentence or just dialogue by dialogue or? Well, dialogue line by dialogue line. Like she wrote something funny and then I would try to top it and then she would try to top it. <laughs> <laughs> what does this do to your editing process? I don't think we talked about this before to really make sure that you have a book that's of one voice. Does it, does your editor just help smooth it out or do you two take passes at it to make sure that it's even voice? Well, yeah, we don't have a problem with that. For some reason we're able to do that and it's not hard, but then we do take passes. I took the first editing pass on stay because I had a couple of ideas about the, the hero's conflict that where I thought we could have seeded it more effectively at the beginning of the book. So I took the first pass, I went in, I lit up some parts where I felt we had under-described the problem because we didn't figure it out until the end. 
And, um, and then I handed it off to her and she did an edit and she's really good at catching things that aren't smooth. You know, a nickname that's spelled differently in chapter two than chapter seven. And, and sometimes it's not a function of different authors doing it differently, but you know, I can write a nickname with a different spelling in chapter two from chapter seven, but she's, she's really good at catching things like that. And she's really good at timeline. Like she'll say, it's not Thursday, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So stay is uh, book two in lags. Right. Uh, what else is coming up in that series? And do we get any additional MM pairings perhaps in that? Well, there aren't any on the schedule, but but you never know with us. Do Jamie and Wes get to keep popping up periodically? Because, oh, of course, Jamie's in the wags. Right. But, of course, they do. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. That just means I have more books to buy because <laughs> I have to keep up with them. <laughs> well, Jamie and Wes are definitely at that opera. Which I totally can't. I can't see Wes at the opera. I can, I can see Jamie at the opera, but not so much Wes. Well, I'll tell you that Wes can't really see Wes at the opera either. So there you go. <laughs> uh, what else is coming up for you this year? Uh, we were talking just before we uh, started recording that there's a lot on your docket this year. Yeah, well, I had um, a couple books in the can already with Penguin. So in May, I have another Brooklyn Bruisers novel coming out. And I love that one. It's, it was really different for me. It's um, a second chance love story with a single dad of a teenager. And it's, it's quite the heartstrings tugger, that one. Oh, because you, you're good at tugging the heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have some other things in the works, but I actually am having this moment where I don't know which of my opportunities to chase and there's only one of me and it's really hard to decide. So I haven't chosen um, what's getting on the publication schedule for the end of the year yet because I, I haven't decided. It's hard. Okay. And of course and, I have to, I have to ask my usual question, any more Graham and Ricker in your future? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sorry. That's okay. I just always okay. have to ask. But here's a fun thing. Graham and Ricker are coming out in French in in the summertime, probably. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. We've heard a lot recently. Well, we Will and I just came back from the Dream Spinner Press weekend uh, with their authors. And they were talking a lot about how the French market is really, you know, a good market for romance and MM romance as well. Because uh, they're translating a lot of their books, French and uh, German as well. Mm -hmm. Well, so, him and us are German books. And I would show them to you, but I was never sent a copy. And I need to complain about that because I want to see those books. The covers are gorgeous, but I don't have one. I'll have to look um, those covers up to see them. Oh, they're, they're neat. And there's nothing more fun than seeing what cover they put on your stuff in another language. Mm -hmm. I've seen some of your books... Uh, the Bruisers books, in particular, one of your foreign, can't remember which country it was, but the cover was more Brooklyn-based than people-based. And I thought that cover was gorgeous. Right. Those are the UK and Australian covers. They're kind of, there's two bridges and a, um, a Brooklyn 
um, Stoop. Yes. Yeah, I thought okay. those were gorgeous covers, too. And interesting Thanks. how they market romance differently in those countries than what we do. Because, for our, of course, our romances almost always have people on them in general. Right. Right. Well, these, those have people, but, but it's like a faraway crop. Mm-hmm. And in the UK, there's a lot of illustrated cover art. It looks a little bit like 90s chiclet to me. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just a little different. And then in Germany, I just saw the covers for my True North series, which in English have man chests on them you know, in the traditional fashion. But in Germany, it's an apple tree. And it's gorgeous a text-heavy cover, beautiful script, but not a person in sight. So, you know, I'm like, ah, really? Can you do that? Yeah. But they don't do That's fun. So what's the mm-hmm. best way for folks to keep up with you online to see, you know, what's coming? Um, I have a Facebook group where I spend a lot of time. It's called Serendipity. And... Um, and also, Instagram has been fun lately. Cool. Very nice. We'll, we'll link people up to those uh, locations, as well as, of course, serenabowen.com. And uh, look forward to see what's coming next. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us for a little bit. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Can a backstage flirtation lead to real-life romance? That's the question in Love's Opening Night, the gay romance novella by Jeff Adams. Jeremy Steele is a veteran Broadway performer. For his latest role, he's dancing alongside a man he's fantasized about for years, TV star Ty Beaumont. Jeremy knows better than to get involved with a castmate, but when Ty has trouble learning the complicated choreography, Jeremy offers to lend a hand. When a rehearsal kiss turns into something more, Jeremy can't help but wonder what a celebrity like Ty could ever see in a Broadway chorus boy like him. Will a relationship with his crush make it past previews? Or can it become a long-running hit? Love's Opening Night by Jeff Adams is available at dreamspinnerpress.com, amazon.com, and other ebook retailers. Pick up yours now. Well, that was a great interview. I'm glad you had a chance to chat with Serena. Me too. I'll be stalking her at RT because we're not going to yeah. be there for the for this actual signing day. But I have books I need signed. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We're coming for you, Serena. <laughs> okay, I think that's going to do it for this week. Coming up in episode 81, Ariel Tokna is here to talk about her latest book, Talking in Code, and stage two. What's stage two? Stage two is her upcoming Dreamspun Desire, which continues the oh. Lexington Lover series. Oh my God, I love those books. I know, right? Ah. Like, oh, cool. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Uh, And we hope you are, too. Until then, guys, please keep reading, and we'll talk at you next time. Bye. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 